Welcome to Earth Riot Radio. I'm Reverend Billy. This is the Earth Church. You know, a little known fact about superstorms, wildfires, coronaviruses, these billowing, high speed, evolving centers of energy, it's not known generally that these are great languages. They are speeches crossing the sky, crossing our lungs, rushing floods, gushing lava, words. These are speeches full of anger, sorrow, even laughter, language. A message to us that we do not understand. And who are we? Who are we? Middle class people from what is called the West. And we're trapped now. We're locked down, unable to go forward with what we thought was our destiny. Now we know we must reach out to our old enemy, the Earth. We thought we could conquer the Earth, and that didn't work out so well. Now, who do we know that speaks both languages? Years ago, when we were all indigenous, we knew the language of the Earth, but that's been centuries now. We have to hire somebody to act as a go-between. Well, scientists have found just that translator. And I have that translator in the studio church here with me today, master of our language, but also a speaker and listener to the wind and the fire of the earth, the raven. Hello, how are you? She will translate this earth church service in the next 29 minutes. Come on over here. Take this to the earth. Tell the earth that we're ready to talk, all right? Earth aloof. We're ready to talk. Earth aloof. Can you translate earth aloof yet? Come on in here. Here's the raven. Back from your trip. We know that you went out, you flew into the storms and the wildfires and the viruses and the heat waves. And now you're back again. Tell us all about it. Mmm. Oh. I see. I hear you saying that you were able to go all around the earth the way that birds do by flying in the same moment the whole time. Time was not advancing the way it does for us with the hands going around the clock. Your wings were going around the world. You were staying in the same... Whoa! We can't... I don't know if we can do that. 
I know we have to. I feel, I feel that your instruction is the right, but you see, we face advertisements all day. They say that if you have a computer and you live in a city that you experience 10,000 advertisements a day. And we're standing there and the, and the actor's looking at us in the eye, very beautiful actor, and the, the actor has shampoo or a car or an antidepressant. And we are being pulled out of our present tense, our personal present tense, into the possibility of experiencing that product. But the thing is, you never experience that product now. You experience it when you've paid them and gone through the process of acquiring that product. So we're perpetually in our floating around in this immersive environment of 10,000 advertisements. We're perpetually out of, not in, this body we live in. We're missing our heartbeats. We're missing our breathing. We're missing our mind. We're missing our eyes. And that's why we're not in the earth either, because we're not minding, experiencing, seeing, being with the earth in its time of crisis. We are the earth. The earth is our personal present tense as well. We're made of the earth. We're a part of that. But there's a wall now between us and ourselves. And you, you are the raven of now. You're teaching us to be all the way out there, all the way in here in the same breath, in the same heartbeat. I know we can do it. We're on the precipice of mass death. We know that 100 corporations put 70% of the emissions into the air. And the, it's the managements of those 100 corporations, you could put them all in a banquet hall. You could put them right in front of you. We could do that. We know what it takes to make change. It takes our embodied nowness. It, it takes being real. That for the, the, those of us who are doing something right now, they're doing it with their bodies. They're locking arms at the refinery gate. They're laying down in front of the bomb train. They're, they're guarding the redwoods. They are doing it with their bodies. You don't do it with a database. You don't do it with a petition to a congressman. You don't, you don't do it with a, with, a, with, a, with a theory, with a marketing. You don't imitate the corporations, that's for sure. That doesn't work. Oh, my body's pumping out these words. I'm breathing right now. I'm starting to get a little bit high. You know, I want to know if this is effective. Is, is some, will somebody talk to me? I'm here on a little step stool here in our clothing closet, a little closet here, and above me is a ladder that goes up to the roof of our apartment, and I've got seven pink suits here hanging. Uh, <laughs> Revbilly.com, R-E-V-B-I-L-L-Y.com. That's our website. The church website has a email function in it. Please talk to me, will you? I know, I know that right now, in the Earth Church, we have to, part of being ourselves again and getting out of that stuck middle distance place that the corporations are able to put us for their profits, to get back into the, the Earth and get back into our body. There's a, there's a time when we have to face the facts and that's now, it's time. It's time for the Earth News, Savi. 
Hello, welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. Chemicals found in sunscreen lotions are accumulating in Mediterranean seagrass. Scientists discovered ultraviolet filters in the stems of Posidonia oceanica, a seagrass species found on the coast of Majorca and endemic to the Mediterranean Sea. The researchers believe the contamination is the result of recreational activities and waste discharges in the tourist destination. Samples found varying concentrations of sunscreen components, including oxybenzone, benzophenone-4, and methylparabens. While the full impact of these chemicals on seagrass remains unknown, the researchers are concerned about potential harmful effects. A meadow's lush array of flowers needs a full phalanx of bees to pollinate them, far more than just the honeybees and bumblebees that most people are familiar with, according to a new study. Previous research on bees as pollinators tended to focus on specific plants, frequently crops, or on entire communities of plants as if they were a single entity. This tended to overemphasize the contribution of the most common bees, especially since 2% of the bee species provided 80% of the pollination in crops. No previous work had asked the basic question, how many pollinator species are needed to pollinate all the species in a given community of plants? Scientists have now shown that the more plant species there are, the more bee species are needed for pollination. They found that the less common bees often visited specific plants others did not. Their findings shed new light on the role of rare species in ecosystems, critical to conservation efforts because rare species are most at risk of extinction from habitat loss, pollution, climate change, and other factors. In a study on metal concentrations in U.S. community water systems and patterns of inequalities, researchers found that metal concentrations were particularly elevated in water systems serving semi-urban Hispanic communities independent of location or region, highlighting environmental justice concerns. These communities had the highest levels of uranium, selenium, barium, chromium, and arsenic concentrations. Even at low concentrations, uranium in particular represents an important risk factor for the development of chronic diseases. Until now, little epidemiological research has been done on chronic water uranium exposures. Uranium has been underappreciated in the literature as a public drinking water contaminant of concern. Children differ dramatically from adults in their moral views on animals, new research shows. Researchers asked children aged 9 to 11 about the moral status and treatment of farm animals like pigs, pets like dogs, and people. Researchers analyzed a fist-sized rock from Quebec, Canada, estimated to be about 3.75 and 4.28 billion years old. Previously, the team found tiny filaments, knobs, and tubes in the rock, which appeared to have been made by bacteria. The structures date about 300 million years earlier than what is more commonly accepted as the first sign of ancient life. After extensive further analysis of the rock, the team have discovered a much larger and more complex structure, a stem with parallel branches on one side that is nearly a centimeter long, as well as hundreds of distorted spheres or ellipsoids alongside the tubes and filaments. The researchers say that while some of the structures could conceivably have been created through chance chemical reactions, the tree-like stem with parallel branches was most likely biological in origin, as no structure created via chemistry alone has been found like it. These findings have implications for the possibility of extraterrestrial life. If life is relatively quick to emerge given the right conditions, this increases the chance that life exists on other planets. 
The smell of geosmin is unmistakable. It permeates the air after a summer rain squall or fills the nose while gardening. It is the earthy smell of wet soil. But as a new study just published in the journal Applied and Environmental Microbiology points out, that smell has a particular purpose. It is made by certain kinds of bacteria that are known toxin producers. This acts as a warning to C. elegans, a common type of worm, that the bacteria they are about to graze on is poisonous. Just a few millimeters long, nematodes like C. elegans are found all over the Earth, including Antarctica. Nematodes are the most abundant animal on Earth, accounting for about four-fifths of the global animal population. The chemical released by the bacteria is an aposomatic signal that triggers the blindworm's sense of taste, just like a caterpillar's bright colors or a pufferfish's spines tell a sighted predator to stay away. Aposematism signals may take the form of conspicuous coloration, sounds, odors, or other perceivable characteristics. They are beneficial for both predator and prey, since both avoid potential harm. Climate change made the record-smashing, deadly 2020 Atlantic hurricane season noticeably wetter, a new study says, and it will likely make this season rainier too. Human-caused climate change made the entire season 30 named storms drop 5% more rain. During the 14 storms that reached hurricane status, the rainfall was 8% heavier, according to the study in Nature Communications. There are now 50,000 known different species of spider on Earth, the World Spider Catalog announced this week, and there might be another 50,000 yet to be discovered. The World Spider Catalog, based at the Natural History Museum of Bern in the Swiss capital, said the 50,000th spider registered is the Gyrurius mignano, which belongs to the Saltidaceae family of jumping spiders and hunts its prey on shrubs and trees in southern Brazil, Uruguay, and around Buenos Aires. The first scientific description of a spider was in 1757. Spiders are the most important predators in Earth's terrestrial habitats, and their ecological significance should not be underestimated, the museum said. Consuming some 400 to 800 million metric tons of insects every year, they are the most important regulators of insect populations. Accordingly, they are also of fundamental importance to humans. A new study has found tiny plastic particles no bigger than sesame seeds buried throughout human lungs, indicating that people are inhaling microplastics lingering in the air. While previous research has found microplastics in lung tissue gathered from cadavers, this is the first to locate plastic particles in the lungs of living humans. For the study, scientists collected tissue samples from 13 patients undergoing surgery, finding microplastics in 11 of these patients. Polypropylene, which is used in plastic packaging, and PET, which is used in disposable plastic bottles, were the most prevalent forms of plastic. In addition to inhaling microplastics, humans are ingesting plastic particles in their food and drinking water. A recent study found microplastics floating in human blood, with potentially harmful and lasting effects. And now, the sounds of extinction. War. From 1950 to 2000, more than 80% of the world's major armed conflicts took place in biodiversity hotspots, areas that are rich in native species but under threat. War is destructive. The Black Sea Biosphere Reserve on the southern coast of Ukraine is a haven for migrating birds. More than 120,000 birds winter on its shores from over 300 species, including rare species, the white-tailed eagle, red-breasted merganser, and black-winged stilt. 
The reserve is also home to the endangered sandy blind mole rat, the black sea bottlenose dolphin, rare flowers, countless mollusks, dozens of species of fish, and in recent weeks, an invading military. Today, the territory of the reserve is occupied by Russian troops, and there is no information on environmental losses. Conflict fires in the Black Sea Biosphere Reserve were detectable from space. And here, the sounds of the Black Sea. was a distraction as the end of the world approached that there were still such great sales. New and improved Apple apps, survivalist yoga techniques, drowning Elmo toys, all kinds of things. The tsunamis and heat waves, flash floods, volcanoes, hurricanes bounced on the horizon like Looney Tunes. The accelerating apocalypse got us hot. The really bad disasters were all available on pay-per-view. What didn't kill us made us watch. You could take a mile-wide tornado off the shelf, hit a button, watch it drop into the city, and wow, it was like watching Lady Gaga do the splits in a dress made of flank sticks. You can say one thing about the humans. We were a species that scribbled, texted, hologrammed, and burst a blood vessel of pixels in the final years of modern life. If the revolution wasn't televised, the end of the world certainly was. Millions of movies were found on mounds of stinking corpses, still flickering on screens through cold, grasping fingers. Of the six known mass extinctions on Earth, this was the self-conscious one, produced and consumed in high-def, broad color with advanced compression algorithms. The End of the World was the storyline of all the best-selling books and movies. In its own way, this was the perfect happy ending. The media was made, completed, and shipped to consumers. The End was casually tagged to be continued. A kind of eternity was claimed. Products have the power to survive, and you can join them beyond the storms and fires and floods. No money down. This sustained a certain giddiness in the culture. But it was not a pretty sight the day the humans went into the ditch. The bitterness had become embarrassing. Homeowners fumed at the coyotes and cockroaches that poured through the front doors of their suburban palaces. 
as they pack their SUVs for the final drive. This isn't fair. We've been betrayed by nature. That was a favorite kvetch. As if the new predators were going off script. And speaking of predators, why hadn't the United States of America already saved the world? The USA was supposed to be the hero. We've seen it a thousand times. In fact, some consumers thought the world was saved, but they were on the wrong channel. So death was denied, and dying was purchased with relish. The old pre-apocalyptic approach to death wasn't as good for business as the disaster market, whose growth could only end when every last shopper was grotesquely, operatically dead. Where are the consumers? Oh, the consumers consumed the consumers. Well, what do you do? You stop watching, stop shopping, you get away. How do you get away? You run across a field and keep running. Join the animals. speaking to me. Message coming from all those heartbeats, orgasms, cancer, nightmare, tenderness. I know I want to surface. destroy the word love. You want so much to destroy the word love.
this half hour, this Earth Riot Radio half hour, which we call the Earth Church. By the way, we have, here in New York, in the East Village, we have our Earth Church. It's a storefront. Well, it's an unrented bank branch <laughs> that has been given to us by a supporter. And when it is rented to somebody, another bank maybe, we'll have to move out, but we have it for a period of time. This Sunday, April 17th, we invite you to come and be with us for the Memorial of the Cherry Trees, um, a favorite beautiful little forest at Corlears Hook, which is a part of the East River Park, down here in the southeastern edge of Manhattan. Uh, they were axed this week, uh, chainsawed, and one of the reasons that you might have been experiencing a rather dark Earth Riot Radio this week uh, is because we were feeling down. Um, we rushed to our trees and hugged them, kept the chainsaw people away for a time, but then we went to jail and spent some time in jail this week. And there's nothing like jail to get you down a bit. It's stinky, it's claustrophobic, <laughs> and you kind of think that nobody knows about you. <laughs> We've had some good things happen this week. We were, Savitri and I were uh, named climate heroes by The Guardian in England. And that feels good and helps you sit in jail for a while. <laughs> we uh, look forward to returning next week and finding a way to mourn and come to some kind of vision that goes past the slaughtering of these beautiful cherry trees in full blossom, unbelievable. This Sunday, the 17th at 5 p.m. at our Earth Church, which is 36 Avenue C. That's at the corner of East 3rd Street and Avenue C, which is sometimes called Loisida Avenue. On the northeast corner, well, that's, that's our storefront. And at 5 p.m. we're gonna gather and we're gonna remember the trees. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk about our experience, encourage each other to move forward. It's potluck if you, if you wanna come, bring something to eat or drink. 5 p.m. at the Earth Church, 36 Avenue C, Sunday, Easter Sunday, the 17th. Maybe we'll see you there. Somebody give me an earth here. <laughs> <laughs>